This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo, and we are in the middle of a crazy, frantic football recruiting run. We also are in the midst of basketball season as the men and women pirates are both in the midst of conference play, but we are going to take a step aside today to talk some baseball and visit with head coach Cliff Godwin, which we which we will do here shortly. I've had this scheduled on the books for a bit. It was delayed, as we will talk about here with Coach Godwin shortly, due to some health issues. He had knee replacement surgery and had some complications from that. It had to uh, push it back about a month or so. But we got him today, and we will talk about the upcoming ECU baseball season. Just a little over a month away, the Pirates scheduled to open the season in mid-February on February 17th to be exact against the George Washington uh, baseball team and then go on a gauntlet of a non-conference run North Carolina, Long Beach State, Indiana, Georgetown, Elon, Duke, Campbell, Liberty, UNCW, Missouri State, George Mason, NC State, Old Dominion, Charlotte, and North Carolina all on the non-conference schedule. I may have repeated some there, but I was just scrolling very quickly. But either way, a tough schedule, not to mention the American Athletic Conference schedule. So we get into all that with Coach Goblin here in a few minutes. The interview ran about 28 minutes or so this morning in his office. We dove into some of the specifics. We didn't go too in-depth. We have media day here in a couple of weeks. We got the email earlier today on January 23rd. We will have media day leading into the start of the baseball season as we talked with Cliff Goblin, assistant coach Jeff Palumbo, assistant coach Austin Knight, and players Carter Spivey, Jacob Jenkins-Cowart, Garrett Saylor, Alec Makarevich, Lane Hoover, and Josh Moylan leading into the season. So we'll have that on January 23rd. We'll probably bring you audio from that on this podcast. But why waste any more time? Let's dive into this interview with Cliff Goblin. It is his ninth year at ECU, man. Hard to believe, year number nine, we are all getting old uh, for Cliff Goblin at ECU. The Pirates coming off a 46-21 and season, 20-4 and in the American, 
another conference championship, another regional hosting appearance, a super regional appearance. Of course, everybody knows just a few outs away from Omaha for the first time in program history. Didn't quite finish the job. Now UC will try to do it in 2023. But let's hear from the head man himself, Cliff Goblin, in his office among the topics. We go around the diamond. We talk about some of the newcomers. We talk about the returnees. What is the starting rotation going to look like potentially? How about his new contract he just signed with ECU after last season's Super Regional hosting appearance? How about his assistant coaches? How important are they to the success? And so much more. Let's turn it over to the head man himself, Cliff Goblin. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. It's joined now by head coach Cliff Goblin. Coach, we were uh, planning to do this as more of a post-fall uh, practice deal, but you guys have been through some adversity yourself, has been through some some health stuff. So now we're almost doing it more as a preseason type of deal. But uh, how are things going on, on the ECU baseball front? How you guys been doing? Um, we're doing good. You know, the guys, uh, you know, got back in town on Thursday and – um, today is the first day of school, so classes are rocking and rolling, and um, today will be an off day for them, and we'll just keep getting ready. Um, you know, the first day of practice is January, team practice, January 27th when we're scrimmage, so really this is a preseason spring training type, making sure that everybody's arms are in shape from a pitching standpoint and the position players are in shape, ready to go to face live pitching come January 27th. How happy were you coming out of fall just with the progress you guys made? And, and, you know, you guys go through so much during the fall, almost more important than preseason. So how happy were you? Yeah, I I think our fall, and you've heard me say this a lot, is our foundation of our program. And um, this has been as good a group as we've had in a long time is showing up every day, having intent, having energy. And, you know, a lot of people hear me say that and – you know, probably don't understand how important that is, but really this guy, this group has done a really good job, and the leaders have done a good job making sure guys have shown up every day. You personally, uh, we, we, we had this scheduled a few weeks ago. You ended up dealing with uh, something health-related. Uh, if, if you would, go through what this offseason has been like for you personally. You had surgery, and uh, some fans noticed you're probably on crutches uh, at, at one of the football <laughs> games. So how, uh, how challenging has that been? Well, I had uh, going back to the beginning of the semester, I had COVID, which COVID seems to affect me harder than it does. A lot of people had COVID, then I got the flu, then I had knee replacement uh, surgery on November 7th, um, and rehab was going great. I was about five weeks out, and in the last few days, my knee started hurting, and the top of my incision um, just got red, and so on December 13th, they had to go back in and clean out the infection, and uh, I've been having this pick line in my arm since like December 16th, 17th, whenever I got out of the hospital and my mom puts antibiotics in my arm every day around lunch and 
Um, they make me feel like crap. Um, just take away my energy, and I have that until the January 23rd. So, but today was my first day of PT, so I'm excited. Uh, I only have two more weeks of this pick line, so um, I'll be ready to go when the season starts. Are we still going to see Cliff Godwin coaching third? Uh, <laughs> any any chance that changes? Um, I don't see that changing right now. You know, I'll see how my rehab continues. I'm walking fairly normal right now, so I feel like with you know a few weeks of good rehab um, over at Young's, Kevin's done a great job with me. I feel like I'll be good to go. Over the next few weeks, leading into the the start of official uh, preseason practice, what are the real big things you want to see your guys accomplish and going into the season opener uh, between now and then? What are the real keys for you guys? Well, the, like I said, the first few weeks here is just to make sure they're in shape to ready to scrimmage each other um and then january 27th we'll start scrimmaging um and you got three weekends really to make sure that uh you're ready to go once the uh season opener uh, comes in um the guys have done a good job like i said to this point so i'm really excited about what you guys will see once the spring rolls around just because i feel like this group is led really well by the players I guess we'll go ahead, starting through some of the positions, uh, as we often do in these, these interviews, Cliff. But we'll start on the mound. Just I know postseason last year you kind of talked about some of the guys returning. Ideally, you would like to see them maybe step into a starting role. How did that go? I know some of those guys didn't throw in the fall, but is that still kind of what you envision uh, potentially? Yeah, Carter Spivey, you know, he was such a valuable asset to us and, you know, ended up starting in the regional uh, championship game and did a great job. So he uh, would be in the rotation right now. Josh Groves would be in the rotation right now. Um, you know, uh, Jake Hunter would be in the mix for that. Uh, yes, Savage, we're going to treat him as a starter, but, you know, early in the season he might still be in the bullpen. Um, you got guys like Charlie Hodges who – uh, a year ago had Tommy John, and he's just continued to get better. Sailor, you know, what he's done for us in the past. So he'll probably start out in the bullpen, but he could start as well. And we got a lot of other guys. Merritt Beaker pitched well in the fall. So, um, you know, the arms, we feel like we, we've got as many arms in the stable as we've ever had with quality stuff, um, some high-end stuff, but also some pitchability, which is good when you have both of those. How much does having a guy like Sailor back who obviously has experience but can be kind of that swing guy, maybe pitch in the midweek or, or be a starter or pitch out of the bullpen, just does that give you somewhat of a comfort going into the season that you have some, some somebody who can do that? Well, I feel like Spivey and Sailor probably have, have handled as much adversity. They've seen the good and the bad of college baseball. I mean, when you have two fifth-year guys that can do a lot of different things, I think that's really uh, special. And then – I mean, we're turning, you know, a lot of key innings from a Danny Bill, you know, at the bullpen, like we said, Sailor, your Savage, and others got some experience, but maybe um, didn't pitch as much last year. But really that freshman class and not just the pitching side of things, um, a lot of them didn't get a lot of opportunities last year, but they've really worked hard and they were talented. So I feel like this year you're going to see a lot of those guys that are sophomores really step up for us. Speaking of that, with Jake Hunter, Beaker, some of those guys, is it a maturity thing from freshman to sophomore year that maybe just from experience that they kind of make that growth that you've noticed? Is that, or is it more just, I don't know, stuff wise, or is it a mix of both? Well, I think the the worst thing that could have happened to really Jake Hunter, Merritt Beaker, and Ryan McChrystal last fall was they had good falls and. 
not that you, you don't want to see that, but really they didn't ha have any adversity handed to them, where a lot of times freshmen come in in the fall and kind of fall on their face a little bit, and they have to battle through it. Um, Jake needed to get his body, body in better shape, which he stayed back this summer and worked out with uh, Coach Wilson and did a great job getting better shape. Um, Coach Knight's worked with him with his off-speed stuff. His slider and his cutter's a lot better. I mean, really, that's the key for him. Last year, he just had a fastball. Um, you're not going to win in college baseball unless you throw 100 with just a fastball. Beaker has really matured mentally. I mean, he's really grown up, and he's worked a lot harder. He's been consistent in his processes throughout the week. So that's been fun to watch. Yeah, Savage did some starting this summer and, and seemed to pitch pretty well. Has he developed you know, another pitch or just something else that has allowed him to, to potentially make that jump? Yes, he's developed a few more pitches. You know, he's worked with Coach Knight on a cutter and also a split finger for lefties. Uh, you know, if you look at his splits last year, lefties hit him a lot better than righties. Um, but he's just way more mature, way more comfortable in his skin. Um, I, I'm really expecting a big year for him this year. All right, so freshman-wise, I know you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to talk about him, but like maybe individually because we've, we've had a conversation in the past. You don't want to praise him too much, and then I don't know, get big-headed or something. But from that that group coming in this year, have you seen some of those guys uh, show some potential uh, as far as in the fall? Yeah, I mean, some of those guys have shown potential for sure. You know, I think it's going to be. Most of them are position players, but, you know, they're really going to have a fight for playing time this year because we've got a lot of returning guys from last year's team uh, position player-wise. So, um, you know, a guy like Dixon Williams, he can kind of play all over the infield. He, he doesn't look like a freshman. Um, Kobe Thorndike hit a couple home runs. Uh, Cam Burgess um, is a right-handed bat that's got some power. Um, Nick DeLisi was hurt. Um, well, not fully healthy. I shouldn't say he was hurt, but wasn't fully healthy with his arms. So he didn't catch in the fall in live scrimmages, but he should be back ready to go when we scrimmage in the spring. So we're excited to see that. Some of those guys, like a, a Dixon, uh, who's athletic and maybe doesn't have a set position, so to speak, could those guys potentially play corner outfield depending on how the season evolves, or is that just something you have to, to wait and see maybe how things go? I, I would say, you know, I would never close out anything. I mean, right. you've seen our teams where guys play multiple positions, but, you know, the outfield's pretty crowded, in, in my opinion. You've you got Hoove back, you got JC back, you got Carter Cunningham back, you got Riley Johnson back, and then you got Luke Nowak, who uh, wasn't able to play in the fall because um, he had surgery on his non throwing shoulder, you know, with his labrum. So. I'm excited about our outfit. I think it could be as athletic and as good defensive-wise as we've ever had here. You guys worked out J.C. and center in the fall. Do you see that continuing? How did, how did that go? It went good, you know, with some adjustments. J.C.'s a long strider, so has to play a little more shallow than probably, you know, some of our shorter guys who can really run, but he can really go back on the ball well. And, you know, um, so making that adjustment helped out a whole lot. But he's our best leader when it comes to um, a guy playing center field. Carter Cunningham, the same thing. He, he leads that group as well. So, you know, if we play tomorrow, it would be Hoove, J.C., and Carter Cunningham. But Riley Johnson and Luke Nowak are going to be in that mix as well. Riley had a you know pretty productive freshman year in the last year. I don't know if he pressed. I know he dealt with an injury, but you know is he a guy that you see as a potential bounce back candidate going into this season? Well, last year it really didn't do him any justice because he had the same. Him and Nowak have had the same injury where they dive back in the bases, their shoulder pops out. So um, Riley at the beginning of the season we played him some, but his right shoulder was really bothering him. So we had to make a decision 
to medically redshirt him last year, and it was really my decision. I mean, he would have been a pinch runner and defensive replacement for us, but I said, hey, man, it's not fair to you for us to burn a year of your, um, you know, eligibility with you not being 100%. Um, he looks better since he's been back than, than I've seen him in a long time. And really with Riley, I think it's a confidence thing. You know, when he's confident, he's got the tools to play at a high level. And with Luke, is he going to be – Fully, uh, fully clear for practice. He's fully good to go. Um, so I'm excited. I'm going to hit him lead off uh, in the preseason just to get him those live at bats. Uh, you know, every uh, day, no matter what side he's on, he's going to hit lead off just to get him at bat many of the bats as he can get. Before we go around the infield diamond, uh, back to the pitcher's mound. Jonathan Childress, you know, enrolled from Texas A&M. I know he's maybe had some medical. In injury or whatever. What is his status right now with you guys? <laughs> He's had an eventful fall. He's kind of like Coach Guy when um, he was coming back from an arm injury and um, we got him to where, you know, he was throwing a pitcher versus hitter. Then he got the flu. Um, wasn't able to go home for Thanksgiving. And then he had to get his wisdom teeth taken out over Christmas. So, um, you know, we're excited to see the possibility. He's a guy that's got a ton of experience. I know everybody thinks Texas A&M so that it's just going to be but he's good. Um, we just need to get him healthy. So um, we're excited to see him in, in the preseason for sure. But a little bit of an unknown, to be honest right. with you. Anything he can give us, uh, I would say would be icing on the cake. So at this point, he hasn't really had a chance to even pitch at this point. Uh, no, it's just here. pitcher versus hitter he did in the cages one day, and, and I saw it, and he's got good enough stuff. And like I said, then he got sick, and then he had his wisdom teeth taken out. So we're excited to see him in the preseason. Another guy I wanted to ask about on the mound was uh, Jordan Little. Had a really good summer. You know, he's a, a guy that also is coming back. Uh, what, what have you seen out of him this fall? What did you see over the summer that, that may, maybe makes you excited about him? Well, the biggest thing this fall, his first couple outings, uh, you know, he had, comes off that great summer. and first couple outings were not great. And then he was able to maneuver through it, which was a good thing to see, to, to have some adversity. He's got a really quick arm. I mean, I think you're going to see him throw the ball 95, 97 miles an hour. Um, the other thing, Coach Knight worked with him on getting him a – cutter slider which is going to be a difference maker and he was able to work over that over Christmas break but um, a guy that you could see at the back end as he continues to develop for sure and Austin Knight as well last year first year as pitching coach and through the first half of the year you guys were up and down a little bit on the mound and fans would would say stupid crap on social media which I know you don't pay attention to about I, you know, I don't thank god is Austin Knight the right answer and turns out he finished pretty good uh, on the mound for you guys, or you guys finished pretty good on the mound. So just how happy were you with him year one? And then going into year two, it sounds like a lot of the guys have really enjoyed working under him and have developed under his uh, his coaching. Well, I would say fans need to trust me in the hiring process. I mean, we could have hired anybody in the country, and I say anybody. Obviously not anybody, but there's a lot of interest out there. And um, I knew Coach Knight was the right guy. And he's super knowledgeable about pitching. He cares about our players. He works them hard. He does it the right way. So um, they just need to trust me a little bit more when, when we hire people. But he's one of the best pitching coaches in the country, so super excited about him. Catching-wise, uh, moving behind the plate defensively, Ryan McChrystal comes back, another guy who had a really good summer and seems to have, have taken his game to another level this fall. Just what do you see behind the plate? You know, a lot of people couldn't see it because they don't come to practice a lot, but you could see Brian's growth throughout the spring, and he really dedicated himself to become a better defender. When you're six foot two, it's just harder to catch than it is if you're five eleven. And he had to work on his flexibility and his receiving and his blocking, and he did a tremendous job of that. You know, we we caught him the last three games in the. Um, 
the uh, first game of the regional where, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you were killing him. Well, still, you got to have confidence that he can go back there. And he took the summer, ran with it. Um, he caught great this fall. I mean, him and uh, Justin Wilcoxon, um, a great, you know, 1A, 1B. Um, you're going to see both of them behind the plate. And really to have two of really, really good defenders behind the plate, I mean, that's unheard of in college baseball to have two guys back there that have experience and that can get it done. Something I noticed just from coming out a few times in the fall was McChrystal seemed to kind of be stepping up as a little bit of a vocal leader. Did you notice that as well as, as his coach? Yeah, I think it's about earning the trust of the pitchers, and I think he's continued to do that on a daily basis. And also with J-Dub, J-Dub's not a guy that loves to talk, but he's uh, continued to get better at that as well. So they've done a really good job with the pitching staff this fall. First base, uh, who do you expect to, to maybe play there? Obviously, Josh Mullen coming back. Uh, what type of offseason has he had, and could he be pushed for playing time? Josh, uh, man, he had a great fall, and he has really done a good job with his body. He's moving around, I mean, he's got a chance to be a premium defender at first base. Um, you know, you think about Burley, how good he was. Obviously, Josh is a, a right-handed thrower, which makes first base a little bit more difficult, but he's done a great job. And his mentality, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I think once the season didn't go like he wanted it to go early last year, it just was kind of quicksand, and it was a good learning experience from him. And I think he's ready to, to go mentally, and I'm excited to see what he can do. But he had a great fall. Any other guys behind him? I know Cam Clonch has, has worked there in the past and, and some young guys maybe as well. Yeah, Clonch will be over there for sure. And, and Clonch can also play a corner outfield spot. Um, Clonch is a guy that shows up and competes every day. Cam Burgess, a freshman, another guy. And then, of course, Carter Cunningham can come back in there and play as well if we, have, have, if we need him to. Uh, third base, Alec Makarevich uh, back as well. Uh, provided some real highlights during the postseason and, and just seems to always have that energy, man. I don't yeah. know if there's ever a day he doesn't have the energy. Well, he shows up and goes about practice like that as well. I mean, we played Clemson this fall, and the night before we played him, I mean, if you'd have walked up to the field, you'd have thought the guy was trying to make the team, and um, that's just the way he goes about his business. But, yeah, he's our starting third baseman. Dixon Williams uh, worked out over there in the fall as well and did a really good job to be a freshman. And the thing Dixon, even though he's a big guy, his feet move really well. So we're excited to see him, and Dixon can bounce around on the infield as well. Middle infield, uh, obviously shortstop, a big story for, for you guys with Agnos and Giles moving on. Um, can you address, you know, what those that position is yeah. looking like right now? You know, uh, really been excited about the freshmen, and, and really I think their development, you know, Jeff worked with them even after fall practice was over. But Nate Christman, um, Connor Rasmussen, those two freshmen have probably gotten better just over the Christmas break and at the end of the fall as much as any players on our team. And they're just playing with so much more confidence right now and they're vocal on the field. Uh, Joey Barini, you could see him over there as well. I mean, hell, you could see A-Mac over there. I mean, A-Mac can play anywhere on the infield. So um, Cam Murphy's another guy that you might see some time there as well. So um, there'll be some good competition in the preseason, but we'll have somebody that will do a good job. And it might be a revolving door. You never know. Maybe take us through some of the, the skill sets uh, of the young guys, uh, whether it's Rasmussen or um, 
uh, Chrisman as well. Like, what do they do well early on in the process? And clearly, a lot to prove as freshmen. But yeah. what, what do they impress you with? Well, Rass is. Uh, I mean, I think he's got a chance to be an elite hitter. I mean, he come came in with a really fundamentally sound swing. He's got really good hand-eye coordination. Um, he can hit. Um, the thing he's got to continue to work on is just his agility, um, being able to move a little bit better. And he's really worked hard on that with Jeff, and has gotten better at it already. He's got a really true arm. I mean, if he catches it, his arm really accurate and he's got a good arm um nate chrisman is not the offensive player um that rass is but man he can really defend and can run so we're excited to see him and then of course everybody's seen joey Verini and, and joey can play second and can play short jacob starlin uh, coming back at second and you know coming off a pretty big injury going into last year uh, is, is he a guy who can maybe even take his game to another level as he gets healthy? Star never was really fully healthy last year. You know, a lot of people don't know that. If you watched him run, you could see that there was kind of a limp in there. And, you know, we really pushed him. But, you know, coming back from a broken leg is just hard to do. And he stayed back here this summer, really worked on rehab with Womack and, and Coach Wilson. And uh, he's running as good as he's ever ran before, which is going to be a positive because he can steal more bases and still has – you know, power in the bat to, to not be a huge guy. So, um, but definitely a solid choice for us to put over there that's had experience. And, you know, the thing about Star is the bigger the game, normally the bigger he plays. And um, that's a good quality to have. Yeah, I still never forget the, the game time home yeah, running at yeah. Texas. That was crazy. Um, as you look at the, just the sport right now, really we can talk about college athletics in general, but college baseball, there are some teams that have used this new era of the transfer portal NIL, whatever, to build teams through almost entirely through the portal. You guys have, you know, used the portal when necessary. You guys, like any program, have seen some guys leave the the program through the portal. Just how have you maybe seen it change the game as you talk to your peers? And and for you guys, how do y'all use it but not maybe try to abuse that style when you guys value your culture so much here? Well, I mean, it's never going to be something that is the foundation of our program. It's just not. I mean, you can't have relationships. I didn't come into this deal to be very transactional. I mean, you know, to put X at shortstop and put Y at second base and Z in left field, I mean, we want to know the individuals and we want to help them become better people, which allows us to be better coaches and to make them better baseball players. So, yeah, we used to portal a little bit and we got Willie Lumpkin from Winthrop and Johnson Childers from A&M and Tyler Brock from VMI and those guys have fit really well into our culture, but we're never going to bring 30 guys in that's not who we are. That's not who East Carolina baseball is. And um, do I think it's good for people to have opportunities to go other places? Yeah, but I, I just don't believe in the open door policy where you've got three and four thousand kids, whether it be football or baseball, just doesn't teach about real life. Um, and people can say, well, coaches can leave any time. Well, yeah, some coaches can, and some coaches can stay. Like I've stayed here, so um, you know you can't just stereotype every situation. And, and I know in certain situations, kids need to leave and um, go and get more playing time and that stuff. But that's just not who we are. We're going to stick to the foundation of the culture that we built here. You guys have hosted four straight regionals, uh, one of only two programs in the country, along with Stanford, to do that. Pretty good uh, com- uh, company there, Coach. Uh, as you look at that and the recent run y'all have been on. How have you seen that affect recruiting? You guys have always recruited at a high level. Have you all had more interest uh, via recruiting? Have you had more interest via the portal as far as guys wanting to come in? And how have you all maybe managed that? 
Yeah, I would say we've had definitely more interest than when we got here in 2014. I mean, that's a given. You know, the there's more ways to watch us. You know, we have a great feed here at East Carolina and then ESPN Plus. And, you know, when you host regionals and you play in three straight super regionals, I mean, people see on TV and see the brand and see the way we go about our business. And you know, the thing that makes me proud is when people watch us, they go, man, your kids look like they love East Carolina and love being a part of it and have fun and doing it. And, and that's the thing that makes me smile. You guys' schedule this year, I think, is – I feel like I say this every year, but to me it's like the best schedule y'all have had. I mean, I really uh, really like it. And you're not leaving home on the weekends outside of the, the non-conference play, uh, outside of the UNC game. So uh, take us through maybe how this schedule came together and how happy you are you know, with this, this, this slate. Well, Jeff is in charge of our mm-hmm. scheduling and, and we communicate, but – I think the thing that has helped us solidify a, a great schedule is being able to play UNC that three-game series in the second weekend and then bringing in quality competition for the Keith LeClaire and being able to play NC State home-and-home home and UNCW home-and-home. Home. And, you know, this year we got Campbell three times, which we were kind of down a game. We kind of had to figure that out. But, you know, it's it's easy to have a tough schedule being located where we are because your midweeks are always going to be hard and then you bring in quality competition. So um, I think it's it's tough of a schedule, if not the toughest, like you said, that we've had here. So it'll be a good challenge for us. You guys are taking off on several of those midweek games. You're going to play them kind of in minor league neutral site parks. I know the fans are excited about that. Um, and, you know, Jeff may be involved in this too. But as far as, like, working out a date and a location, as far as is it troublesome to find those neutral site games or is it, you know, an enjoyable process? Kind of th- take us through what goes into that. Well, Charlotte, you know, plays some of their games at the AAA part there. So, um, you know, it, it's a little bit more hard because you got to make sure you communicate with right. the pro team. So it's not as easy as, hey, looking down on a calendar and say, hey, well, we don't have a game. We can play Charlotte. So there is some a lot of communication that goes on between Jeff and the, and the opposing coach. The Campbell one was we were playing them home and away. And we just didn't want to play at the other side. And, you know, if you get with the right pro park like we have in the past with North Carolina, it's an opportunity for the university to make a little money. The pro park at Campbell, is, it's been a little bit more dicey where we're not going to lose money, but I don't think we're going to make a lot of money. But it'll be a good experience for the people down in Fayetteville, all the East Carolina people down in Fayetteville, to have a short trip for a home game. I asked the, the Coastal Carolina coach after the regional if he would like to see ECU on the schedule and he said it's kind of tough because you are far enough apart for a midweek game that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to drive that far is that a series you guys could potentially look at in the future as far as maybe a weekend set uh, down the line yeah we've had we've been in talks about it but with conference schedules and with you know us playing the Keith LeClaire and playing Carolina second weekend then you're very limited in other open weekends which they're the same way. I mean, they want to stay at home as much as possible. The midweek thing is just we, we did it back when I played here, and there's no easy way to get from Greenville, North Carolina, to, to Conway, and it's a three-hour deal. And, you know, if you play at 6 o'clock, the game's over at 9.30. I mean, you're getting back at 1 a.m., and it's just not conducive for our guys. Um, I'm not saying it will never happen, right. but it's just not one of the easiest trips. Uh, we talked about Jeff earlier and, and- – just his, you know, he's been really the one guy who's been with you this whole time. He's had other opportunities, I'm sure, to, to go and be a head coach or, you know, maybe even be an assistant coach elsewhere. He has chosen to stay with you. How much has, has he meant to you throughout this this whole process? Well, you're right. I mean, the, the, there's three guys that have been here from day one, Womack, me, and Jeff. So, um, you know, and that's why I called Jeff when I was in Omaha with Ole Miss in 2014. I knew – 
um, you know, what type of coach he was. I knew he could be a great recruiter. I knew we treat the guys the right way. Um, Greenville's a great place to raise a family. His wife and his kids are happy. Um, yeah, one day he's, he wants to be a head coach, you know, and, and I'm glad for that. But, you know, it's going to take something that is not just, you know, some program. I mean, he set himself up to where he wants to go be a head coach with, you know, somewhere he can go win at a high level, and I appreciate that. But, no, we're very blessed to have Jeff a part of our program. Following the, the success of last season, uh, John Gilbert and you guys came to another agreement on a long-term extension. I think the longest extension any ECU coach has signed. So um, just what does that, that mean to you? Obviously, you're you're an alum. Uh, you, this place means a lot to you. Uh, you built this thing into something special. Just what is all this uh, that meant to you when that uh, came out? Uh, it, means, it means a lot. I mean, the first thing that means the most is the first time that I felt like that they've come up with a deal and there wasn't necessarily another job. I mean, there was noise out there, but there wasn't somebody saying, hey, we're going to offer you the job. So for me, I just appreciate John, the chancellor, JJ, um, just doing it on their own basically and saying, hey, you know, we appreciate what uh, you guys have done. And I appreciate what our players have done to put us in that situation. I mean, look, they don't um, extend coaches' contracts unless you've got great players that are going out there performing at a high level. And not just on the field. I mean, what we've done in the classroom, we just had another 3.62 team GPA. And uh, I just appreciate that so much. And, look, man, this is home. You know, I you know I can't really see myself coaching anywhere else. Um, it's where I want to be, and uh, you know, our goal is to go out there and compete at a high level and hey, bring a national championship home one day. He is Coach Cliff Goblin. Coach, the season will be here before you know it. I think uh, it's only January ninth today, but it'll be mid February soon enough. So. Get you some rest while you can, even though I know you can't get much. But we appreciate the time on the Hoist of Colors podcast, and best of luck this season. I'm sure we'll be talking again at Media Day soon enough. Thanks, Igo. I appreciate it. That is head coach Cliff Goblin, and that will do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We will be back with you guys hopefully later this week. We are scheduled tentatively to have football coach Mike Houston on the podcast next. So we are running through. The head coaches, he is currently at the uh, convention, the coaches convention, and looking to return probably Wednesday, Thursday in that range. We're looking to get something on the books, talk about some of the transfers who have enrolled at East Carolina. Also take a look back at the 2022 football season that included an 8-5 and five campaign, and we'll also look ahead to what's next for football. But as I said earlier, we'll have continued baseball coverage leading up to media day on January 23rd and of course leading into the season on February 17th we'll soon have our roundtable back where Jonathan Wagner from on three sports former hoist the colors intern and Scott Lorbatcher new hoist the colors moderator and also a big baseball fan they'll join me on the podcast we'll kind of talk about our expectations going into the season uh, key storylines that sort of stuff leading into the opener. We may even do something next week when D1 Baseball releases its first top 25 preseason poll of the 2023 calendar year. Until next time, we will talk to you guys. Thanks for listening to the Hoistic Colors podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, 
two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. Beats.